0: So before we begin the shear this evening, I just wanted to make a mention <coughs> of the fact that um, just a few days ago, just under two weeks ago, um, the effectively the founder of this Monday night shear uh, passed away. Her name was Jenny, initially Jenny Ferber, subsequently Jenny Shy. <coughs> and. She knew my parents, she was a devotee of my father, Zatal, from London, and uh, she made Aliyah close to 30 years ago, and she decided that the Monday Night Share should continue. She instigated it, she set it up, she oversaw it uh, for close to 30 years, um, for a good a good 20 years or so more we were in Khavavitzion in, in in the short there in Ravia and then covid happened and then when we resurfaced it was more it was more in the uh in the zoom but nonetheless <coughs> she remains basically the driving force behind the Shi'urim, yhisach baruch the Shi'urim should be ilu uh, nishmasa, and, and uh, all who enjoy the shiurim, uh, myself included, owe her a, a great debt of gratitude for her, um, her her persistence throughout the years, unflagging in uh, making sure that the shiur uh, would uh, would continue and would uh, have a premises and and uh, so on and so forth. So, uh, we wish Bessera Stovas Yebad Olchem to uh, her husband Mel. And uh, we hope this year will continue to be uh, a credit to her. <coughs> so we begin Vayera in the beginning. And Vayera starts with uh, Hashem appears to Avram. And almost immediately, not, no sooner has the Torah said the words Vayera Hashem el-Avram that Mepharshim are already discussing. What's to discuss? <coughs> What's the vision about? What's the appearance about? The Pesach says, Vayero Hashem el Avram, and we don't really hear much of a message, much of a content. And indeed, for many uh, Mefarshim, this is the reason why Rashi comments as he does. And Rashi famously says, Vayero Elov <coughs> Levaker es achole. To visit the sick, It was the third day after the (coughs) Mila. Hashem came and inquired after, he was asking after Avram. Rashi doesn't normally see fit or see any need uh, to tell us what Hashem appearing to Avram is about. This is not the first time Hashem has appeared to Avram. But this is indeed the point, because in all previous occasions, it says Hashem appears to Avram and says what he said, and said what what the appearance was about. But here, he just appeared. And we don't really hear any message, any accompanying message. And that is why Rashi feels the need to inform us that the visit itself was the goal, because it was the mitzvah of Bikur Cholim. And interestingly... Although this does not seem to be a halachic source for the mitzvah of bikur Cholim, it actually is. The primary halachic source for the mitzvah visiting the sick is really the, the mitzvah of Ahav uh, recha The Rambam says that all of these sub-mitzvahs, and we call them categories, and they have the parameters Hachnasas Orchim, and bikur Cholim, and Levayas HaMais, and so on and so forth, they're all really under the rubric of the because the torah tells you that that's how you should deal with people these are subsets of that so when hashem does something he hasn't told you to do it nevertheless there is a separate mitzvah which is to emulate hashem and therefore now it does become of halachic import to note all the acts of kindness that hashem does because you then fulfilled the additional mitzvah of v'halachta bidrachav by doing likewise. It turns out, therefore, <coughs> that all of these kindness mitzvahs really are two mitzvahs at once. the l'arecha and v'halachta The first to the extent that Hashem has commanded us to do them, and the second to the extent that we see that Hashem himself did them. So this is Rashi's explanation of what the, uh, what the visit, the uh, appearance was about, it was for purposes of Bikur Cholim. That is well known. That's Rashi's opinion. Interestingly, another of the Rishonim takes a different approach. And he is the Ralbag, Rebbe Levi ben Gershon. And the Ralbag, in fact, disputes the notion that there was no message here. For indeed, says Ralbag, there was. Every time Hashem appears to Avram, he tells him something. And here, he appeared to him and he told him something. Except we look at the Pasuk and we we don't really see it, says Ralbag, because you stop stopped too soon. If you keep uh, reading the Parsha, so you will get to where we're in Peregid Ches, so we start from the beginning, but if you get to Pasuk Kaf and Kaf Aleph, you see Hashem begins to talk to Avram and tell him about Sodom. Pasuk Kaf, Hashem. Hashem says, and who is he talking to? He's talking to Avram, because Avram will respond and to start to negotiate and plead and bargain for, for the people of Sodom. Zakas Sodom vaMora Kirabba, the outcry of Sodom and Amora. It's very great, etc. and so forth. I'll go and see what's to be done with them. Those are Hashem's words to Avram, and says Ralbag, that's what. That's the message that accompanied the visit. Now, we're entitled to ask, I mean, that's a bit of a lag. I mean, to say, in all other cases, the message follows on more or less immediately. Hashem appears to Avram and says, etin es We don't interrupt, not for uh, anything. And yet here, there's a 20-verse lag between the visit and the message. So how can that be accounted for? Says Val well, well, learn your commentaries and you'll see. Because the next thing, uh, uh, Pasuk Ale says that Hashem appeared to Avram. And the next thing we see (coughs) is that Avram lifts up his eyes and he sees three wayfarers who seem to be wandering around. And he takes them in. And indeed, what does he say? Have a look in Pasuk Gimel, Vayomar, he says. And the next word, Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud, according to one opinion, is addressing Hashem. He says to Hashem, Rashi quotes two opinions, this is one of them, addressing Hashem, Please don't go away. Those words are addressed to Hashem. And why is he telling Hashem not to go away? Because he is interrupting communication with Hashem in order to take care of these guests, from which the Gemara famously learns in Masechus Shabbos, Taf Kuf Kaf Vav or Kuf Kaf Uh, that to receive guests is greater or more important than uh, receiving the divine presence. We learn that from Avram. He's just received the divine presence and he now sees the opportunity for guests and he turns to Hashem and says, please don't go away, but I have to take care of this first. Wow. Well, (coughs) once we understand that Avram has interrupted, so to speak, communication with Hashem in order to take care of the guests, don't be surprised if it isn't until the guests leave that you find out what it is that Hashem wanted to say to him in the first place. Because Hashem appears to him, so to speak, opens his mouth, and Avram says, wait, I have to deal with these guests? And once they're gone, over the balance of the next 17, 18 psukim, uh, finally, Hashem is able to tell Avram what it is that he appeared to him in order to tell him about Sodom. So this is the approach of the Ralbag, and it and thus constitutes the second approach that we have. What is the purpose of the visit? So far, we've seen, according to Rashi, the purpose of the visit is B'Korcholim. It's a self-contained. There there are no words necessarily attached because the visit itself is the goal. According to Rabag, the purpose of the visit is the message that comes 20 psukim later after Avram resumes communication having taken care of the guests. And now we come to the third and uh, in many ways, I think the most mechudish approach to how to understand these opening Psukim in Parshas Vayera, and it comes from the Rambam, the Rambam in Marenevuchim. We do not have um, a, a, an ongoing commentary on the Rambam on the Chumash, but from within his various works, Mishneh Torah sometimes, Marenevuchim, you get an insight into how he sees certain Parshas. And in Chelek Beis, Perik Membeis, the Rambam says, If you wish to understand what was the message that Hashem (coughs) wished to communicate to Avram when he appeared to him in verse 1, the answer is in verse 2. And the ensuing verses. What does that mean? That will take some bit of introducing. The Rambam's understanding of the opening chapter of Parshas Vayera is that verse 1 is a general introduction and verses 2 and onwards are then the details of that episode. Klau ve'achakach prat. It first tells us Hashem appeared to Avram and then gives us the story with the angels. Where is the Rambam heading with this? What does he mean to say? The background, says Rambam, is like this. We need to know, this is his assertion, that, or he prefaces by saying, every prophetic vision with any Navi, other than Moshe Rabbeinu, lo kambi Yisrael od Navi, so with the exception of Moshe Rabbeinu, every other prophetic experience has the Navi communing, not directly with Hashem, but through an angel. The angel, says Rambam, that through which nevuah prophecy is communicated are called ishim. It's one of the ten. It's one of the ten names that angels have. <coughs> the uniqueness of Moshe is that he communicates directly with Hashem, as the pasuk says, per el per, adaberbo. Hashem speaks to Moshe. Is, so to say, mouth to mouth. Face-to-face, directly, but with all other Nevi'im, it is not a direct encounter with Hashem, but rather it is with a malach or through a Malach. That's the, that's the medium. So, so therefore, says Rambam, if you see the Pasuk which describes Avram encountering angels, that is the way Nevu'ah is experienced. And that, in fact, is none other than a detailed description of Hashem appearing to him. Whenever we say Hashem appears to a an, Navi, again, other than Moshe, you're basically saying a Malach appeared to him because Hashem is communicating through a Malach. So when the verse 1 says, Hashem appeared to Avram, and verses 2 and onwards say he sees angels, that is one and the same. And if you want to know what the message of Hashem appearing to is, we'll see what the angels tell him. There's your message. Because that's what, that's what the vision, that's the form that it took. Interestingly, and we're already, I think, reeling from the, from the impact of this uh, uh, rather striking comment of Rambam, but Rambam adduces proof or support, I would say, support for his for his position. From the other explanation of verse four, sorry, verse three, vayomar. So again, he says, if I if I found favor in your eyes, please don't please don't uh, pass on, please don't go away. We've seen an uh, an opinion, a view that he's talking to Hashem. Don't go away while I deal with these guests. But the Rambam says there is another opinion in Chazal it's also brought in Rashi. <clears throat> and that is, he's talking to the guests. Please don't go away. And and if you look at the word, it's written Aleph Talad Nun Yud with a comment. It really looks like it's Hashem's name. It really does. Except this other opinion says, no, he's not talking to Hashem. Says Rambam, you know why? Because, he, because these are not two, two separate things. He's not saying to Hashem, I know you've appeared to me Please, let's put that on hold while I deal with this other matter called these three people, these three wayfarers. It's all the same thing, because Hashem is appearing to him through. So by engaging with these guests, he's actually engaging in Hashem's message with him. So there's no asking Hashem to wait. Hashem isn't waiting. Hashem is actually beginning to communicate. And that's why the only understanding, or the preferred understanding, of whom Avram is addressing in Paso Gimel is he's addressing the guests themselves. So it's very interesting to consider how much is hinging on how you understand the beginning of verse 3, if he's talking to Hashem or if he's talking to the guests themselves. But But the bottom line is, says Rambam, everything that happened in the beginning of Vayera actually is happening in a prophetic vision for Avram. Adkan the Rambam. As we can well imagine, there are certain Rishonim who will not let this go without comment. And chief among them is the Ramban. The Ramban takes strong exception to the Rambam's uh, explanation of these events on numerous levels. Meaning, firstly, in terms of how can it fit in with the verses in our Parsha, and secondly, with regards to the principles upon which the Rambam's idea is founded. The first question, I'll re-show, reshow, to say that what's happening in our Parsha is effectively, uh, it's all a prophetic vision, says Ramban, so then look at everything the Torah describes Avram is doing. I mean, to understand what the Rambam is saying, the Rambam is saying that, the, uh, that this is all a vision that Avram is having. In his vision, he is taking care of the guests. And he's shechting this cow, and he's bringing them uh, milk, and he's, he's uh, so on and so forth, and, and, and bowing down to them. and uh, All of this is, is, is just Avram having a vision of himself doing these things. But what's that got to do with Hashem's communication to him? Hashem doesn't need to appear to Avram to show Avram what Avram is doing, especially as he's not doing it. If, if, if one cuts to the chase, if, if the message is that Sarah is going to have a child, which is really what the communication is about, so then just say that. In other words, let a come and say Sara, Sarah will have a child. The whole production that Avram does around these guests and hosting them and all of that, to the extent that it didn't actually happen, according to the Rambam, and it's a vision, what role does it play in the vision? That's not a message from Hashem. It's a difficult question. Moreover, says Rambam, pardon me, says Ramban, don't forget, these angels didn't just visit Avram, they visited Lot. Now, if you'll tell me that Avram was a Navi, and capable of experiencing prophetic vision, I, I believe that. I'm okay with that. We know that to be true. But was Lot a Navi? I mean, Lot hasn't been doing that well lately. We never know that Lot w- w- was a Navi, and certainly, having gone down to the city of Sodom, so he also has this vision. First, Avram has a vision with the three angels, and then Lot has a prophetic vision. Lot's not a Navi. And moreover, says Ramban, I mean, he really is sparing no, no uh, question here. If it's a prophetic vision, then what you mean to say is that Lot has a vision that he's being taken out of Sodom. But, he's, but it's a prophetic vision, which means he's still there. If you say that, that this encounter doesn't actually happen, but it's, you have a vision that it's happening, so Lot has a vision that he's taken out of Sodom. Having a vision that you're being taken out of Sodom is not going to take you out. And you don't want to be left there when it gets destroyed. So, so how is it that Lot actually left if all we know is that he has this vision that he's leaving? I mean, that could be the last vision he ever has. And with regards to the the let's call them the metaphysical underpinnings of what the Rambam is saying. The Rambam is, base, is pr- basing his um, position or his view on the premise that in, that other neviim they communicate via an angel. I mean that's really the, that's the axiom, and therefore if they communicate via an angel, so if they meet an angel, it's really prophecy. That's that's what the Rambam is saying says, Ramban, I am not aware of any source in Chazal for this idea. If you look at all of the things that Chazal say, both the Psukim and, uh, and you find in the Medrash uh, as well, there are different formulations, but none of them say this. Hashem himself says to Moshe, in the beginning of Va'eira, I appeared to the Avos, Bikel Shakai, but not Bishmi Hashem, that's unique for Moshe. Okay. That's a distinction, but that's not got to do with an angel versus directly. Chazal in the Gemarnia Vomus and Daf Memtes tell us a well-known idea, whatever it means, but the idea is well-known, that uh, all of the uh, other prophets, they, they see their vision via She'ena Me'ira, an unclear lens or a colored lens. Moshe's nevuah comes through again. That's a difference, but it's not a difference of an angel versus directly. And therefore, says Ramban, look through all the literature of Chazal and all the Psukim, you won't find the basic axiom of the Rambam, that of the distinction between through a, through a Malach or not. And for this reason, says Ramban, I do not accept the Rambam's approach. And with regards to the Rambam's question that how could Lot see a Malach, the answer is very simple, says Ramban. A Malach can, ex- can uh, exist or feature or function in two capacities, either as a Malach, as an, as an angel, or he can assume human form. If he exists as an angel, you need to be a prophet in order to see him. So the Navi Yishaya, for example, or Yechezkel, they'll talk about Srofim and Chayos and Ofanim, because they're Naviim, they can, they can apprehend those entities as they are. But if an angel assumes human form, so a, hum, a, a human being can see him. And he doesn't have to be a, a, a prophet in order to do so. And that is very simply how Lot, who is a non-prophet, nonetheless, <coughs> uh, was able to see these malachim because they assumed human form. <coughs> so what do we have so far? A pitched dispute between Rambam and Ramban. For Rambam this whole episode with the angel is a is a vision on Avram's part for Ramban, No, that's that's impossible. It's actually happening and he's raised his questions and, and, uh, and issued forth his challenges to Rambam. But the Rambam's position is picked up by other Mepharshim and chief among them <clears throat> defending the position of the Rambam, and I choose these words carefully, defending the position of the Rambam, is the Abarbanel. I say that because we have yet to discover whether the, Ram, whether the Abarbanel actually agrees with the Rambam. But he for sure defends him. And the first thing he says is, with regards to Ramban's question as to um, w- w- why, is, why is part of the vision that Avram is taking care of the guests? I mean, that's got nothing to do with the message. The, the message only starts when, when they say, Sarah will have a child. I mean, that's the, that's the message. How is this part of the message? Says Abarbanel, it is part of the message. Because Avram is being shown in this vision that the reason why he and Sarah will merit to have a child is because of all the kindness that they do. So everything that he sees himself doing, for Rambam, he is seeing himself doing these things. It's not irrelevant to the message that he will have a child. It's the basis of the message. Effectively, what the vision is saying is, because this is the way that you take care of guests when you're awake, so you will then have merit to to, to have a child. And therefore, Abar has a very interesting comment to make now. He says... In this respect, Avram seeing himself in a vision, taking care of guests, is no less relevant than if he actually took care of them. And in fact, it's maybe even more relevant. How can it be more relevant? Because if you just take care of them, you don't know how much that's worth. But you found out in this vision. Because the vision is basically endorsing and valuing all of those acts of kindness and establishing that they are the source of um, the blessing that that Avram and Sarah will have a child. So that is the first thing. Avram's acts of hospitality within the vision extremely apropos And what about Ramban's question with regards to Lot after all? Avram is a Novi, Lot is not a Novi. So how does Lot see these angels? It says Abarbanel when the Rambam says that the whole interaction with angels was a prophetic vision, he doesn't mean to say that when the Torah describes the angels being with Avram, it's Avram's prophetic vision, and when it then subsequently describes them as being with Lot, it's Lot's prophetic vision. No. The whole thing is Avram's prophetic vision, meaning Avram initially has this vision of him and the Malachim, and subsequently, he has a vision of Lot and the Malachim. So Lot never actually sees them. Just to understand the implications of what, what Rambam is saying, how it, as explained by the Abarbanel, I mean nothing we've ever heard has is anything like this. But really, Lot has no conscious encounter on any level with these Malachim. Avram has a vision of Lot taking care of them. And once again, that's, that's, the, that's heaven's way of communicating to Avram that in the merit of Lot, even in his way, putting himself out for Akhnossos Orkim, he will be spared from Sodom. But it's Avram's vision. The only question is, so how did Lot come to leave Sodom? I mean, no one's, no one's actually sent him a memo here that there's a prophetic vision going on and uh, the message is that you should leave Sodom. So how does he leave Sodom? Says Abarbanel, Benel, Lot received an intuition, a very strong intuition. He needs to get out. In the words of uh, the Barbanel, "Hey He'ir Hashem et Rucho, Lot Hashem, triggered within Lot an, an unbearably and irresistibly strong uh, sense that we ne- I need to leave now, we- and whoever will leave with me, but we need to get out now. It, it could be that he couldn't explain it to anyone, and maybe that's one of the reasons why, no, why you know, apart from immediate family, no one else really came. And even of his family, not everyone came, because he, all he has is, this, is his intuition. But it's strong enough for Lot and those that are, are closest to him. And says Abarbanel, if looked at in this way, one could say that it's actually born out of the psukim. Namely, that the Posit's description of Lot and the angels is part of Avram's vision. But what actually happened with Lot is his own intuition distinct from this vision. Why? Because if you look in Perik Yud Tes. So, the, from the beginning of test we have the, the Torah's description of the angels in Sodom, And that goes until verse 20. Sorry, actually, to keep going, verse 20, 27. And, yeah. So, uh, the, uh, when we get to verse 26, Pasuk Kaf Uh, Lot's wife turns around she becomes a a, a pillar of salt and that is that's the end of the description then the posuk says Avram got up the next morning and he went to the place where he had been communing with Hashem he looked at Sodom the place had been destroyed but have a look at posuk Kaftes Kaftes needs to be reckoned with now because the story of Lot escaping Sodom has finished. But Paso Kaptes reiterates it and states, when Hashem destroyed the cities of the plain, Avram, Hashem remembered Avram Vai And he he, he sent Lot away from the, from the upheaval. Why does the Pasuk tell me that he sent Lot away if the Pasuk has already described Lot leaving? Says Abarbanel. According to the Rambam, it's well understood. There's no repetition. Because everything that had been described up until verse 26 or 27 is Avram's vision of what's happening. So he has a vision that, that Lot meets the, the, the Malachim and, and within his vision. So Lot is taken out of Sodom. But it hasn't happened yet. And then that vision ends. And then what happens? The Torah describes the, the actual reality on the ground in Sodom. That as the city was being destroyed, Hashem remembered Avram. He sent Lot away. How did he send Lot away? By giving him this intuition that he needs to leave. So here is the He has taken on the, the questions, the, the Parshanut questions of Ramban and provided a defense of Rambam. And the only thing that is left for the Abarbanel to say is I've given what I think is the defense of the Rambam but actually I don't agree with him. I actually concur with Rambam. So this is very interesting because you see in a sense that, and this is the, the, the ms of the Mepharshim, as much as he, in the end he's not going, going to agree with Rambam, so why are you explaining all the psukim? Why are you extending yourself in order to... It sounds like what they call in Hilcha Shabbos a Malach HaShem and Tzricha Lugufa. It's, it's not necessarily such a... It's a worthless enterprise because you don't agree with him. Says Abarbanel. I have my own issues with Rambam, but don't think that the, that the Rambam does not have responses for the questions that were asked. And I'll provide them. I'll do my best to understand the Rambam, but in the end I have to choose. And in the end he, he sides with Rambam. Based on what? I mean, what else is there left to, to for, from where to adduce proof? Well, says Abar Bunel, for me, the clincher is in the end of Perik yud Ches. Because Because this end of Perik yud Ches has been, uh, second half really, has been Avram davening for Sodom, etc., and then again, he whittles it down, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. And 10 is as low as it will go. And what does the final Pasuk say of Perek Yudches? Pasuk Lamed Gimel. Vayelech Hashem. Hashem went, kasher kila ledaber el Avraham. Avra, Hashem went went away, seemingly, when he finished talking to Avram. And Avram went home. So says Abarbanel, Benel, I mean, that Pasuk, really denotes seemingly unequivocally the, the, the termination of, the, of the, the end of the session. Uh, Avram has been talking with Hashem and then it's over and Hashem goes and Avram returns. So it sounds like whatever the posse will now describe is post-Avram's encounter with Hashem and still the posset goes on to describe the angels in Sodom with Lot. Sounds like Says Abarbanel, this is not part of Avram's vision, and it's certainly not Lot's vision, and that is why, in the end, I, uh, I side with the Ramban. So that's quite a bit of Parshanut for the, the opening. And again, if we can summarize, because we've, we've invested uh, a good bit and seen the psukim hopefully closer than, uh, uh, than we might otherwise have done, but we effectively have three different approaches among the Rishonim as to how to understand the opening verse of the Pasuk, which says, Hashem appeared to Avram. And should we ask the question, and in what form did that visit take? What was its goal and how did it play out? So there we have three answers. According to Rashi, the, the appearance was a self-contained goal. The visit was for purposes of bikur Cholim, and that was that. Nothing needs to be said. Everything else is, extr- is extrinsic to that. According to the Ralbag, the message that was to accompany this appearance and for whose purpose the appearance happened in the first place was Hashem to tell Avram about Sodom, which he did as soon as Avram finished dealing with the guest and resumed communication. While, thirdly, for Rampam, everything that you see in the ensuing Sukkim is the appearance because what is stated generally as Hashem appearing to Avram specifically takes the form of his encounters with those malochim. That's the form that the nevuah took. Well, if we go back to Rashi, and Rashi informs us that uh, Hashem appears to Avram for for B'Kocholim, and then Avram sees these three malochim. And Rashi tells us why there were three and what they were for. And as we know, Rashi says, just to read, Echad le es sarah, one, to give the Besorah to Sarah that you'd have a child. It's interesting that, that Avram, rece- Avram and Sarah received the Besorah differently. And at the end of Parshas Lech Lecha, Avram hears it directly, or as directly as one, as he can, as per, as per the Rambam's discussion, directly from Hashem. Hashem says, you will have a child from Sarah." Uh, but Sarah hears it in this week's Parsha from a malach. Okay, And one to destroy Sodom, and one to heal Avram. And the reason why you need three Malachim for these three tasks is, as Rashi famously says, that one Malach doesn't do two missions, doesn't do two jobs. Um, Rav Kupman, I remember, mentioned to me uh, once that the word Malach, as as a noun, which we translate as angel, malach is really a noun version of melacha, which is a task or or, a job, uh, because that's what a malach is. He exists to do a certain task, and therefore each each malach does one thing. A few lines later, Rashi then informs us of something else. Sherippah es Avram and Raphael, who's the one who as his name suggests, was the, ex- the, the agency through which Avram was healed Halach misham l'atzil es Lot so he then went on to save Lot, because you may be wondering who saved Lot, we're kind of running out of angels, so the answer is Raphael, he healed Avram and subsequently went on to save Lot understandably Mepharshim are uh perturbed by this, or perplexed, because Rashi himself has just told us that uh, one angel can not do two tasks. And he then proceeds to tell us that one of the angels, called went on to do something else. He went on to save Lot, but I thought an angel only does one, one thing. So the simple answer provided by Mepharshay Rashi is that there's this, this maybe two ways to say it, but it's the same idea. In other words, it's, it's healing. It's uh, as if to say, uh, it, with regards to Avram, it's healing when he's sick. With, with regards to Lot, it's saving him from destruction. It's, it's yet the same profile. It's the same skill, the same uh, general uh, idea. And therefore, that's not a problem to... Uh, as surely as it would not be a problem for him to heal Avram twice, even though they're two things, because it's really the same. Healing Avram and saving Lot really is the same. And, and others may say even more than that, that. That if Avram is frail, and something happens to Lot, and we know that Avram is attached to Lot, for all the trouble that, that Lot uh, makes, Avram went to war for Lot. So if Lot should, be, should then end up being destroyed in Sodom, so that could actually have health repercussions for Avram himself. And therefore, as part of the as part of the continued refua of Avram, Lot needs to be saved. That's the that's the the, the simple direction. But I will mention, and this uh, I heard from my father, that many years ago. One of the greats of the eighteen hundreds was Kol Schlummer Kluger. He was actually one of the rabbis of um, the teachers of the Beis and uh, he wrote many, many sforim, and, and, and not, not pamphlet-sized sforim, like thick uh, sforim. His his output was staggering, and he was the Ravin Brody. And when he first uh, came there, and they were mechabit him for sandakos. I believe the way my father said it was that the, the, one of the conditions of accepting the rabbanus of Brody is that he would be the sandak for, for all brises. Okay, but certainly, uh, well, as he just was, you know, new in town, they were mechabit him to, uh, to be the sandak for a bris. So he turns up at the house on time, and if we know that anything that has a chance of starting on time is going to be a bris, and nothing's happening. People are milling around, they're, they're, they're talking among themselves, or um, hushed tones, and, but, but, nothing, but nothing doing. And the moel is there. And Röb Shlomo Kluger says, my high? Uh, w- 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 why are we holding things up? So the, they explain to him that unfortunately it's a tragic situation, that the, the, the baby's father is, is deathly sick and he's just deteriorating further and further. So their feeling is under these circumstances to allow the inevitable to happen. And at least the child can then be, be called, named for his father. And so they're, they're waiting. When Schlemmer Kluger heard this, he said to the moral, there is not a moment to be wasted. Perform the bris straight away. So they had their thinking, but of course the, the Rav says, the Rav says. So they performed the bris and lo and behold shortly after the bris the father's condition took a turn for the better. And he, sh- he began to show sa- early signs of perhaps even pulling out of, of this moribund condition that he was in. That's a good introduction for the new rabbi. I mean, that's, that's that's a good event, because now Reb Shlomo is a Balmoyfus, because he, counter to, to every intuition, he, he, he did something and somehow everything turned around. And everyone was very, very excited about this. And they said to, to, the, to the Rebbe that, you know, we've, this is Mamish an open miracle. And Reb Shlomo responded and said, it's not an open miracle, it's an open Rashi. So which, which is the Rashi? He says the Rashi in the beginning of Pashas Vayera. Rashi says, you have three Malachim come to Avram. And one is for this, and one is for this, right? to, to, to give Sarah their tidings, and to heal Avram, and to destroy Sodom. And then Rashi, almost, with, really within the same discussion, says, and the, the angel that healed Avram, healed Lot. But we were just informed that a Malach doesn't, doesn't do two jobs. But here he is doing two jobs. Surely Lot... Should have had a separate malach come down to save him. So look at the Rashi, and my conclusion is that if you're someone like Lot, an angel isn't coming for you. It's a a big thing to to, to merit that an angel comes down. So Avra merits to have three angels come down for him. Lot doesn't have any angels coming down for him. So if you stand on ceremony, or if you stand by the formal rules, and you need a separate angel, it's not going to happen, and Lot will be destroyed, because an angel is not going to come down from heaven just for Lot. So seemingly, there was, there was no choice except to use an angel that was already down there just before he went up to Tachap to, 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 to Lot out of Sodom. Not everyone has an angel come down for them. You, you, you should hap around when, when an angel is down. So, so an angel comes to the bris, eliel Malach This poor gentleman in the, in the next room, his, he was deteriorating fast. No angel was coming for him. So if you wait, nothing will happen. So I figure, let's do the bris. And then you have a Malach there. And while he's in the house, he could pay a visit to the room next door. So if you ever wanted to know how important is it to, to learn good pshat in Rashi, it can sometimes be the difference between life and death. Ad If you're a Shlomo Kluger and you know how to do it. So, these are uh, comments with regards to the, the opening of the Parsha. I'd like to move from there actually to a Pasuk within Perik Yudtes, within the destruction of Sodom in fact, and we'll see something very interesting. So it's a Perik Yudtes, Pasuk Yudbeis. So what is happening? Uh, Sodom is about to be destroyed. Um, Lot so we are in Pasuk Yud Dalit. Perik Yutes, Pasuk Yud So Lot is basically trying to convince anyone he can to, to come with him, and two of his daughters come. The others don't come. Let's see Pasuk Yud Dalit of Perik Yutes. Vayet Lot. So Lot uh, goes out of the house. Vayidabel Chasanov. He talks to his sons in law. Lot right? Those who married his daughters. Maybe that's another two. Vayomen says. Get up, get out, Hashem <laughs> Hashem is destroying the city. Va'yikim tzachek be'enei chasanov, and they thought, he was, they thought he was a joke, or they thought he was joking at them, but either way, they declined his offer. The word in the Pasuk that I want to look at is the word "suu," and the reason why is because if you look closely at the word "suu," you'll notice something unusual we have to get a sense of the usual to see why this is unusual but the letter tzadik, tzadi, more correctly, of the letter of the word tsu, the letter tzadik has a dogish in it. It has a dot in it. And that dot should not be there. The, the, the two or three basic rules that might account for, for most dogishes in, uh in words, none of them explain why the letter tzadig if this word, has a doggish. It, it, it defies the rules of grammar. There are certain letters that if at the beginning of a word they have a doggish, like, you know, they're known as beget kefet, right? The, the, the bet and, and, and taf and so on and so forth. Okay, that may well be tzadik, is not one of them. And so on and so forth. Any rule that you know about uh, what generates a, a doggish, that dot in a word will not explain the, the, the dot in this tzadik. So what are we to make of this? And then Tziv has an amazing thing to say in his introduction to his commentary on the Torah, introduction to to the Hamak (coughs) Dover. And Tziv says, what is a (coughs) doggish? A doggish, it accentuates something. It makes it, it gives it a a stronger sound. It will take a a vase and turn it into a bass. It will take a chaf and turn it into a kaf. It always has a certain emphasis. Okay, and that emphasis is more or less always a product of the rules of grammar, and so be it. But once you understand that the role of the doggish is to emphasize something, there are occasions where we see a doggish, and it's not because of a grammatical emphasis, but rather it's a situational emphasis, or an atmospheric emphasis. Which is amazing, because really, what we're saying is we're using a grammatical tool for extra grammatical purposes. It's 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 shedding its normal natural profile as a grammatical matter, and it's becoming a, a narrative matter, an atmospheric matter. It says the <laughs> sieve, the Torah doesn't. Oh, he doesn't put it this way, but the Torah doesn't have exclamation points, exclamation marks. But when Lot told his son-laws to get out, how do we assume he said it? Did he say it uh, sotto voce? Did he say it in a casual conversational term? Clearly not. He said, get out. There was a certain intensity. There was a certain urgency to what he's saying because it's, 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 a, it's a, the city is about to be destroyed. Get out. How is that conveyed? The, the, the word is tzu. It just means leave. You can say, you can say, please leave, or you can say, get out. So how does a Torah communicate that urgency? By including a doggish. And this is a, an honorary doggish, as if to say, it's not because of the rules of grammar, but, but imagine how Lot is telling them to get out. There's a doggish here. That's the emphasis that's being provided. It's a situational emphasis, which is really fascinating. To, to discover how something, a grammatical tool like the dogish can mean this. And interestingly, the netziv is not the first one to make a comment of this sort. He is preceded by the maharal. And the maharal comments on Parshas uh, Shemos, where, as we know, Yocheved, she, she has Moshe. And she hides him for a while. But she's only able to hide him for three months. And after that, she can't hide him anymore. And the way the pastor uh, describes that is by saying, you know, okay, she hides him for three months, but then she couldn't hide him anymore. And therefore, with great, uh, she, with great reluctance, she, she put him on the banks of the, 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 the she There's nothing she could do anymore. That's in Shemos Parak Beis, Pasuk Gimel, the beginning of Parak Beis There, there too. If you look at the word Hatsfino, she could no longer hide him. Leochla od Hatsfino. If you look at Hatsfino, it's the letter Tzadik again. Is the Tzadik has a dogish, and once again, it's a, it's something that cannot be explained. The rules of grammar do not require a dogish there. And the Maharal, in the Sefer Gavura Sashem explains, and we can see the, the, the forerunner, the prescience of the, of, of the Nitziv's idea, is that what the Pasuk is saying is, imagine what Yocheved did. Imagine how hard she tried to hide Moshe and what had to happen before she basically had to give up and say, I have no choice but to set him on the Nile. And when she set him on the Nile, she left. Miriam stayed. Yochever left, as far as have is concerned, she will never see him again. But in order to save his life, she has no choice. So how much effort do we assume she would have expended to try and hide him before saying, but she can't do it anymore? She would have spared no effort. And that, says Maharal, is why the word Hatzfino and the Tzaddik in the word Hatzfino has a doggish, because it is coming to emphasize the, the intensity with which she tried. Until she no longer could. So the, so the Maharal's Hatsvino, the Dogish and Hatsvino, the Nitsim's the Dogish in the word Su'u, we're discovering a new side to, to, to the Dogish here. It, it gives us something, another aspect of the situation. What's very interesting is there is a parallel comment. And as we move from the world, what we loosely call narrative, that is to say the Torah's description of, of, of events, to the world of halacha, and we will yet see this phenomenon again. In Pasha's Emor, as we know, Vayikwa Perekav Gimel is the, the reading of the Moadim. We it on Yomtev, Pesah, Pesach, Shorokesev. And it goes through all of the Yom Tovim, Pesach, Omer, Shavuos, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot. So one of the things it talks about is Shavuos. And as we know, Shavuos has a special korban called the Shteh Okay, A special two loaves of bread they're brought brought as a korban. They're unique because they're chametz. They're the only korban which is entirely chametz. Um, And most, most korbanos are entirely matzah, in fact. Either way. The pasuk says, mimoshvoseichem taviu lechem tanufa." You shall bring bread of the waving, shtayim, uh, shnei etc. and so forth, as, as we know the psukim. So the pasuk says, mimoshvoseichem taviu lechem tenufa. You shall bring lechem tenufa. If you look closely, this is in Vayikra Perik, Kaf Gimel, pasuk Yud Zion. If you look closely at the word taviu you will discover something. The Aleph, in the word taviu has a Dogish. And for no apparent reason, for no grammatically explicable reason. So what are we to do? When grammar gives up, something else needs to step in, to the fray. And this matter is actually discussed and explained by Rev Hirsch. In his commentary to the Torah. And Rafir says if you want to understand why there's a dogish, a non-grammatical, it defies all the laws of grammar. I mean, most people we know defy all the laws of grammar, but they do so unwittingly. Here, the Torah has a dogish and it cannot be explained grammatically. Why? Because there's something special about this Korban. The Korban ha-lechem on Shavuos, it consists of bread, but also animals. Are also brought and they're and they're brought together. Shiva kavasim, fine. There are many many cases in the in the, in the world of korbanos where you have a korban that is comprised of animals and bread. Any korban that is accompanied by a mincha, what's called a meal offering, is effectively that: the animal accompanied by mincha, by by bread, of of one form or another. However, the shteilechem is unique among those. Why? There are many comprised animals and bread. Why is it unique? It's unique because which is primary and which is secondary. In every other animal that consists of, pardon me, in every other korban, composite korban that consists of an animal and bread, the animal is the primary part of the korban and the bread is an accompaniment or an accessory with attendant halachic ramifications. You've got to know what's primary and what's secondary. If something goes wrong with one, what are the implications for the other? We won't get into the details, but you understand. One is primary and secondary. It's always the animal that's primary. The only exception is the Shteya The Shteya is also animals and bread, but here it's the bread that's primary. It's the Shteya On the contrary, this is the one case where the animals are the accompaniment. But the bread is the Icker. And how is that emphasized? that the bread here is not secondary. It is the center of the korban by the dogish in the aleph. Tavi'u, bring, be sure to bring, emphasis added that you bring the shteralechev. Why is emphasis added? Because this is, not a, this is not an accompaniment to the animals. This is the this is the, the animals will be accompanying this. And so we see how it parallels <coughs> the, 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 the nitziv and the maharal. For them, there is narrative emphasis indicating urgency and, and um, so on, while, while in this instance there is a it's a halachic emphasis. I only ever once or that maybe more to be fair I was only ever listening out for it once, but I did uh, a Bal in Parshas Emor, and when he reached that when he reached that uh, pasuk he said he read Mimo Shuvos Eichem Lechem to he really emphasised the, the aleph. I'm not sure if he was aware of the background, but certainly uh, it should be <laughs> uh, commended that it, 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 there's no intuitive dogish there, but there is a dogish there, and should and should be uh, should be read as such. What's interesting is, and for this we can conclude with the other side of the coin, namely we have discussed situations where the grammar doesn't. Uh, require a, a, a doggish there, but it exists nonetheless for for extra grammatical purposes. And there's once in the Chumash, or possibly more than once, but a, a famous case in Rashi, where the converse will be true, where actually there should be a there should be a dot, and it's not there. To what do we refer? To the final pasuk in Parshas Matos, where you have the east side of the, of the Yarding, which is conquered and, and renamed by sons of Manasseh, And the final posse deals with someone called Novach. Novach went and he conquered a place called Knas, and, and he renamed it Vayikrala Novach Bishma. He called it Novach, like his name. And if you look at the words, and Rashi comments on this, he, he, he makes a point to this well, there should be a doggish in the hay, what's called a mapike, the, the possessive, the preposition. like we say, all of those kind of feminine prepositions should have it. So it should have been And it, and it just says, there's no doubt, it's, it's weak. Why? Rashi, Rashi notes it. And he provides an explanation from his teacher, Rabbi Moshe Hadarshan. Now, Rabbi Moshe says because the name didn't stick. He called it Novach, but the name didn't really stay very long. And therefore, that's indicated by the Torah, by, by missing out the dot, because now it's La Novach. And La Novach, without the abrupt pause, allows it to be read as Not Novach. La Novach. It's not Novach anymore. He called it Novach. But it's La Novach. That's a very interesting comment of Rashi. And what's the message behind this idea? So Shimon Schwab explains that before Novach, his brother renamed a place, the, the penultimate Pasuk in that parsha, Yair. He conquered t- territories, Chavos, and he called them Chavos Yair. And then Novak went and called them Novak. What's the difference between those two? Yair preserved a distinction between his identity and his property. He is Ya'ir. These are his Chavos. So what's an appropriate name? Chavos Ya'ir. I'm Ya'ir. These are these are my territories and that's 100% correct and it's endorsed by the Torah. Novach, so to speak, overstepped. And when and when he he, he has his place and his name is Novach and what does he call the place? Novach. As if that that's that's too much identifying and defining himself by what he owns. What you own and what you are is not the same thing. And that's why, vayikrala Novak, but the Torah says, but it's not novach. You're novach. And that's why providence did not allow for that name to stick. Because property is what you have. It's not what you are. Woe to the person who that property becomes what they are. And just to conclude, I was originally, um, uh, I was uh, just a few months ago in London, I was um, and I happened to, to mention this idea, and someone came up to me and directed my attention and with this will conclude to, to last week's Parsha, Parsha's Lech Lecha. He said, you can see this idea in Lech Lecha, which, and it's a great, it's a great observation. Perik Yud Dalet, Pasuk Yud Beis. In the war with the four kings and the five, and Lot gets captured. Perik Yud Pasuk Yud Beis. Let's see the Torah's description of the capture of Lot. Pasuk Yud Beis reads, Vayikru es Lot, they, right, the four kings. Conquered everything. They, they took Lot and his property. Ben-Achi Avram, the nephew of Avram, and they went. So they, so they captured basically Lot and his property. So, so look at the order of how the Torah phrases things. It says they, they took Lot and his property. Ben-Achi Avram, the son of Avram's brother. But the son of Avram's brother is Lot. So why is that deferred? It should have said they es Lot Ben but they took they took Lot, Avram's nephew, and his property. But it defers his his definition, his identity as Avram's and it first put his property. But shouldn't the identity come first? It does. That's the problem. Lot identified more with his property than he did with being Avram's nephew. That is Lot, right? Lot is his Rechush. He also happens to be related to Abraham, but that's, that's, for, that's for conversation. But in terms of who he is, the thing was mentioned first, and that was really part of the problem, and that's why he needed to be extracted uh, surgically from Sodom when the time came. But of course, that's a resounding message to, to all of us, Baruch Hashem, all the things that we have and all the things that we own, what we, what we own and what we are, always know to preserve. And all of that is communicated by the Torah by missing out one dot in the end of Parshas, Matos, uh, as, as uh, explained and elaborated upon through the great Mufarshim. We'll leave it over here for this evening. We should have a wonderful week ahead, and we shall hear Besaras Tovas, Bekorov. Thank you very much.